Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at CorridorVein and CorridorAesthetics.com. Today is Tuesday. It is the 7th of March. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. A state board has approved a $4.2 million settlement to end a racism lawsuit by former football players against the University of Iowa. Nearly half of the settlement will be covered out of the state's general fund. A group of players accused coaches and staff of discrimination and harassment against black players. State Auditor Rob Sand is the only member of the three-person state appeal board to vote against the state paying part of the settlement. He told reporters yesterday he would not sign on unless Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta was fired. And if we're going to hold people accountable, if we're going to prevent additional individuals from becoming victims of discrimination, if we're going to protect taxpayers, we have to at a certain point demand more personal responsibility for this kind of thing. In a statement, Barta says the athletic department is committed to creating an inclusive environment for student athletes and staff members. State Treasurer Robbie Smith and Department of Management Director Craig Paulson both voted in favor of the settlement. Smith says he agrees the university should re-examine the relationship with BARDA and others named in the lawsuit, but he says denying the settlement could cost the state more if the case went to trial. In Waterloo, dozens of people did not get the chance to speak about conversion therapy after the city council there decided to postpone a discussion about banning the practice yesterday. The Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier reports an ordinance proposed by council member Jonathan Greider that would ban conversion therapy in Waterloo was scheduled for a second reading yesterday. Conversion therapy is the practice of attempting to change a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. The council voted 5-1 to to ban the practice last month. The proposal needs to go through three readings to gain final approval. After the ordinance was read yesterday, a council member immediately motioned to postpone the discussion of the ordinance until May 1st to coincide with the legislature's session coming to an end. The Republican legislature has targeted many LGBTQ rights in Iowa this year. The Eastern Iowa Airport in Cedar Rapids has been under construction for the last 10 years. As it begins the last phase of construction, officials there say it's ready for growing demand over the next 30 years. We get those details from IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith. Marty Linz joined the Eastern Iowa Airport back in 2014. Ten years later, the airport director says he's excited to see the end in sight. The terminal modernization project's last phase will bring four new jet bridges, a larger patio, and a pet relief area. In total, the project will have cost an estimated $121 million. While 2020 was a hard year for airports like CID, he says business and leisure travelers have returned. It talks about the health of the economy in eastern Iowa. People are feeling confident, uh, businesses are doing well, um, and we see it in, in, in airline passengers. Lynn says last year saw the airport's second highest number of passengers, and this year he's hoping to break the record. And two casinos and one sports betting operation have been fined by the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. Racing and Gaming Administrator Brian O'Rilko says the Diamond Joe Worth Casino in the north had an underage individual enter and gamble in May of 2022. That individual uh, entered with three adult 
companions, the security officer posted, uh, failed to request identification, and so that individual entered the floor uh, unchallenged uh, and was on the floor for two hours and 30 minutes. The casino was fined $20,000 for the violation. The final violation involved licensed online sportsbook Rush Street Interactive, which used a payment processing company that had inadvertently permitted customers to use a credit card to load their sports betting account. It's here first. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Iowa joined most Midwestern states when it passed a law last month putting a hard cap on non-economic damages that can be awarded by a jury for medical malpractice. The healthcare industry has long pushed for these caps on damages for things like pain and suffering. But as IPR's Natalie Krabs reports, some question whether these caps help or hurt Iowans seeking justice for medical errors. Six years ago, Joe Dudley was running a high fever. He could barely walk. So his wife, Sarah, brought him to an urgent care clinic in Des Moines. A physician's assistant diagnosed Joe with the flu, despite a negative test, and sent him home. But Joe soon ended up in the emergency room. His correct diagnosis was bacterial meningitis, which by then was on track to cause permanent brain damage. Sarah watched it unfold over the next few weeks. He had three strokes, two strokes um, in the middle of ICU. So when he, we, he was actually able to come out of it, um, he had to relearn to walk, relearn to talk, permanent nerve damage on his right side, lost his hearing. The illness drastically changed Joe. Sarah says the man she married was calm and avoided conflict. The one who left the hospital is prone to anger and bouts of paranoia. You know, you never know what mood he's going to be in or what's going to set him off. And there's no cure for it. The Dudleys sued the clinic for medical malpractice. Late last year, a jury awarded them $27 million in non-economic damages for Joe's initial misdiagnosis. The story made headlines. These high-dollar awards are one of the main reasons the healthcare industry has spent decades pushing for non-economic damage caps. In February, Iowa became the most recent state to put a hard cap on these damages. Here's Andy Conlin, a lobbyist for the Iowa Independent Physician Group, testifying at the state legislature in January. You never know when you're going to end up on... uh seeing one of these these judgments come down the pike and really negatively impact your facility, maybe even put your facility out of business. However, these high-dollar jury awards are exceptionally rare. Last year in Iowa, just 15 cases ended up going to trial. And of those cases, the jury ruled in favor of the plaintiff, people like the Dudleys, twice. But these big awards are just one of the healthcare industry's many concerns. They say they need these caps to lower the cost of medical malpractice insurance. And they say a lack of caps on damages drives doctors away to other states. But opponents dismiss these claims. Charles Silver, a law professor at the University of Texas at Austin, has studied the effects of Texas's non-economic damage cap extensively. It went into effect in 2003. The Texas Medical Association claims the move has increased licensed physicians. Silver says his research contradicts this claim. If you have a growing population, you need to control for that. And when you control for that in Texas, what you find is that 
the physician population actually grew slightly more slowly after tort reform than before. It's also unclear how much influence caps have on medical malpractice insurance rates. Last year, Illinois, a state with no caps, had one of the highest average premium rates in the country, according to a trade publication that tracks this data. But at the same time, Minnesota and Iowa, two states that also didn't have caps, had some of the lowest premium rates in the country. Robert Leffler, an expert on medical malpractice law, says there's no clear consensus from research on how things like premium rates and physician recruitment are affected by non-economic damage caps. But he says there's one group that clearly benefits. The insurance companies who have smaller payouts and who have less risk of huge payouts. And he says there's one group that clearly doesn't benefit. The seriously disabled people. The people who suffer through a lifetime of paralysis or pain and the family members of the disabled people who have to give up a lot of their lives to take care of them. Leffler says damage caps can make it harder for this group to sue as lawyers will be less likely to take on pricey cases with less of a payout. I'm Natalie Krebs, IPR News. This story comes from a collaboration between Iowa Public Radio, Side Effects Public Media, and the Midwest Newsroom. And for news anytime, you can always go to IPR.org. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters.